give him a better clap because he's got a better sermon than that clap. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Pastor Graham. Um, I just want to honor Leanne. I did this in the first service too. Um, in a moment, I'm going to put a photo up. And uh, as a grandparent, I, myself and Cheryl, we're, we're the benefactors of your ministry of, in the first service you said, that school is your church. And um, we're the benefactors of your ministry and what you've done. Um, we bumped in, we were with our grandson the one day, we bumped into Leanne and his face lit up when he saw her because he actually knew, he had this expectation that I know Chappie and it's Chappie and he knows who Chappie is and he knows exactly who she is and what she's about. And so when he saw her, his whole insight lit up. And so I want to honor you because it's, it's that excitement that you produce in people to be around you. And I pray that, uh, you know, I know they've prayed for you as well, but I pray that in the next season you have, that you'll be able to enthuse people as well in the same way, that their faces will light up and they'll be excited to see you. This morning I have the responsibility of, uh, and the cool task of talking about Advent and um, about hope breaking into our lives. And I want to take you on a journey. So it's kind of like we're going to go for a wonder. If you've ever heard me preach, it's an, it's an inductive style. It's kind of like cast net fishing. If you've ever done cast net fishing, you just throw and then suddenly you pull it and then there's all the fish. And, and we're going to do that this morning. We're going to go for a wonder here, go for a wonder there. Recently we were in Bowen and uh, Flagstaff Hill is actually like this, this main, main hill just on the ocean. And you walk to the three or four sides of it. And then if you take pictures at every side, when you've done and you put the pictures together, then you have this panoramic view of Bowen, the town, out towards Kings Beach, Queens Beach, and then back into the ocean towards um, uh, the mountain there in the ocean. So we're going to kind of do that this morning. So just stick with me a little bit. I'm just going to throw a net and then we'll see what we catch at the end. But it is a journey of hope and a journey of anticipation and a journey of expecting good things to come. I do want to start before I actually share, because I'm going to get a little excited in a moment, and I don't want to trivialize that Christmas can be awkward for people at times. This season can be a hard season for people. And so I want to take a moment and just acknowledge that. In the last couple of years, the last two years with COVID, I think it's kind of a little bit frustrating for a lot of people and with the new variant and all sorts of stuff that happens. It's just, it's there. So I don't want to make light of any of that. But I want you to just indulge me to be the kid that I'm going to talk about in a moment as we go on this journey of anticipation and of excitement. So the picture up there is a story called Luther's Christmas tree. And uh, I found this quite fascinating that there's actually, it's called Luther's Christmas tree. Uh, Luther, as, as tradition has it, truth or legend, um, Tradition has it that Luther was out one day, saw the, this Christmas tree with the snow and, and, and the bits of sun and, and the sparkling. And he was so in awe and wonder of it that he actually went straight outside. He could not find the words to correctly describe what was going on. So he went outside, chopped the tree down, brought it into the house, put candles on the branches to try and recreate that moment so that his family could experience the awe and wonder of what there was. 
Tradition says that he continued to use the Christmas tree and everything in it to teach theology to his family and to his friends. And so the Christmas tree, whatever your thoughts might be, without commercializing the concept of Christmas, the Christmas tree plays a really important part in the story, in today's story, and into the, in the anticipation. Luther himself created an object lesson. And for today, I've done that too. I have this little parcel under the Christmas tree, and it's got something in it. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens, eh? And uh, we'll talk about it in a moment. So we go from Luther's Christmas tree to my Christmas tree. And uh, two of the most beautiful, if you know something about me, I love Christmas. I'm the, I'm the child. Um, I really love it. Uh, you know, homemade Christmas tree, homemade, homemade presents, but um, the fruit of our, of our loins, <laughs> of, our, of our son's loins. I love that. I actually answer the phone when my son calls, hey, fruit of my loins. So I'm actually very comfortable with the concept. <laughs> but um, <laughs> two of my most favorite people in the whole world. And this photo was taken last Christmas, just before Christmas. And their excitement and their anticipation for what's in that big blue box, because that's their present, and, and there was one for each of them, their excitement and the anticipation within them. And, and I got them to pose, and all they wanted to do was touch the box and play with the box. But uh, as you'll realize, uh, Opa is what they call us, is way too smart, because any present I give them is wrapped in a box that they can't prod, pick, smell. They might even be able to shake it. Nowadays, they can't even shake it because I've padded it with stuff. So literally it's just a box and they have no clue because I want to build the excitement and the anticipation of what's coming the next day. As I said, I'm a kid at heart myself and uh, I love Christmas. I love that. My love language is words and, and gifts and, and so Christmas really, you know, if you give me a Christmas gift, please make sure you write a little tag because the, the tag is as important as the gift. I normally pack the tag away. Um, you know, I've got a, a, something that, um, I'll just point out, Carla, point out Carla there. Carla many years ago, a couple of years ago, gave me this cool picture but she wrote it, wrapped it in a paper and actually this crinkled paper recycled with this little word. I still have the wrapping paper and the, and the little red string and I have the words. Um, I've got words that Cheryl has written me that date back to 1980 on a piece of paper. Um, yeah, yeah, go work out how old that is. I'm 54 today. Um, <laughs> the jobs I haven't done. Shut up. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> it's not family counseling. That's a sensitive subject. <laughs> Moving on. He just destroyed the spirit of Christmas. The Grinch bringing a task list in. Um, back, back to Advent. So th these two kids capture the all wonder. You know, when you're growing up as a, as a child, you, you have this experience. Then you have kids and you have that, you relive that experience. Then those kids grow up and move out of house. And Christmas is kind of boring until you get grandkids and you can start. And so their enthusiasm and their passion and their anticipation for what's about to happen, what's about to unfold. Well, I mean, they know we buy good gifts. They know we think about it. And so they've got a couple of years, my grandson, seven, the 
the older one's seven, the younger one's four. So they've got at least six years and, and three years of experience as what they will get for Christmas. So they have an expectation. Next weekend, they're sleeping over. We're putting up the Christmas tree. They know that there will be gifts under that Christmas tree and that expectation will continue to grow. They know what we've done and so they have an expectancy of what we're going to do. Now, if you haven't got the picture, I'm going to tell it again because I want us to grab a concept here, a thought. It was the night before Christmas. So I have vivid recollections of my childhood that my grandmother, her name is Nanny because I was the oldest grandchild. I couldn't say the word, the letters, so I just went Nanny and that stuck and she was Nanny till the day she died. And so... Nanny would buy presents for us and put them up. And so we'd go from Cape Town to Port Elizabeth on holiday and we'd go to Nanny's house and under the tree were the presents. Now, Nanny wasn't as smart as me. You see, Nanny's presents, you could feel, smell, and uh, you'd just lift up the piece of sellotape to see what's on the inside because I couldn't, I couldn't hold I, the expectation expectancy and the expectation and the anticipation within me was that good as I wanted to get to the end I wanted to get the result I needed uh, my other grandmother bless her socks uh, would always buy us pajamas summer pajamas and put a five rand note in the pocket of the summer pajamas and then as I got older um, I got an aerosol underarm because I was now a teenager but it was the same it was so predictable um, but Nanny was always exciting because you would get the box and you'd be able to feel and push and, and it would build the anticipation that there's something for me there. There is something that is special and Nanny's gifts were always cool and exciting and she knew what I needed and what I wanted and so I would just be able to play with the box until I, or whatever it was until I found what I needed. And then I'd be disappointed because tomorrow morning I wouldn't have the excitement of opening the present. But that's my issue. <laughs> There was this excitement. My great-grandmother would do the same. I remember as a child, we'd go to her house in Port Elizabeth, and she, I say humongous, now it wouldn't be humongous, but as a child, this, this small, this massive tree that would go from the floor to the ceiling, where it would touch the, the, the ceiling, and the star would actually look down on you. And she had this massive tree, and at some point during the night, with all the grandkids and the great-grandkids and everyone celebrating, it would be the grandkids and the great-grandkids' time. And she would remove these little handmade Christmas crackers off the tree, and she would give us each one. Now, now she, would, she was smart. She just gave money. And as a little kid, all you want is money, because you can go and buy what you want. And I remember it being 50 cents when, when it started, but being five rand by the time I was older, and then I wasn't allowed to get gifts anymore because I was too old. And that was a terrible day when I realized as the oldest grandkids, everyone else was getting and I wasn't. But um, yeah, oh, uh, but because that anticipation and the excitement, and because again, Every year it would be there as the oldest great-grandchild, I would tell people about it. I would tell the wait, wait till Christmas Eve, wait till Christmas Eve when we get there and all the parents are sitting on the floor and they're playing cards and they're playing games. At 8 o'clock, then she will actually call us all to the tree and we're all going to get money. And because she had done it and she had been faithful for so many years, there was an ex expectation and an anticipation that something was going to happen. Now, we didn't see it as a right, but we saw it as a privilege that great-grandma would do something on Christmas Eve 
And then we all couldn't wait for shops to open within two days so that we could go and buy lollies. And, you know, buy lollies, we put money on the counter, get three lollies, and then put money in the change, and then keep going until you actually spent your money. So there was this hope, this anticipation, this expecting of good things to come. This event coming, this moment coming. And that's kind of what event is all about. If you understand the, the advent calendar, uh, event calendar, the advent, yeah, that too, the advent candles or the advent wreath, there are generally four, sometimes five candles. And each candle represents, one represents hope, one faith, one joy, one peace. And the first candle of advent, the first of the four Sundays, is all about hope. That we can live with a hope, that we have a hope and his name is Jesus, that we can expect something to happen. So we think about Advent prior to Christmas, like today, four Sundays out. And a guy by the name of Justin Holcomb actually wrote those words, and I, I thought it was really good, so I've just lent his words. Some people may know that Advent serves as an anticipation of Christ's birth in the season leading up to Christmas. That's only part of the story. And it's into this moment that I want to take us now and journey, that we understand the rest of the story around Advent. It's not just about preparing for Christmas, preparing to give and receive gifts. We're actually stepping into that moment where we truly understand the reason for Advent. If you look at the Latin word, Advent actually comes, actually means the word, I'll try that again. The Latin word actually means coming. So when you, the word Advent comes from the Latin word and it means coming. In Greek, it would be parousia. This thought of coming. This event coming, the opening of presents the night before Christmas as a child, my grandchildren with my great-grandparents, this idea of coming. Interesting enough for a history lesson for those that are interested, the 4th and 5th century, uh, the advent was actually around the 40 days prior to the Feast of Epiphany, which is in January, where new Christians would be water baptized. And so for 40 days, they prepared themselves. That was their advent. It was about the coming of what would happen. And so they prepared themselves for that. It is only in the 6th century that Roman Christians actually attached or moved Advent to and associated it with the coming of Christ. But it wasn't the coming of baby Jesus. It's actually the return of Christ, the second coming of the Lord. And it's only in the Middle Ages where this concept of Advent is attached to Christ's first coming, the preparation for Christmas or the baby Jesus. But as John Holcomb, Justin Holcomb says, is there is so much more to the story. So much more. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 33 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it or he will be called 
O Lord, our righteous Savior. So Jeremiah prophesies around the birth of Jesus and saying, He's coming. He's coming. Now remember, what you and I have today is, a, is, is the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We actually have the ability to reflect upon history and look back. But to the Israelites at that point, they did not have that. They were living in the moment of the coming Messiah. They knew he was coming. It had been prophesied. Isaiah um, chapter 9 verses 6 to 7 says, For unto us a child is born, for us a son, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And it goes on. So the Israelites living at the change from what you see written in the Old Testament and what we see written in the New Testament, are waiting. They are in anticipation and they are excited about good things to come because they've had it told. Like my, my cousins, they were excited. Like my grandkids, they were excited because they've heard and known something's coming. And so they're waiting to see what happens. Uh, the art piece over here is actually by Caravaggio uh, around about 1604. And it's called Madonna of the Pilgrims. And uh, I've used different art pieces throughout it. But this one I want to stop because it actually says that, she, that we're looking at Mary. It says she is approachable, compassionate, and very responsive to the sincere devotion of the faithful. And the chief, chief message, one of hope to all Christians, however humble, whose faith is sufficient. Jeremiah prophesies, Isaiah prophesies, and this art piece captures the moment. I'm going to lend from Graham's words earlier. There is a language of posture in this art piece because you actually see the, the, the pilgrims worshipping and saying, we heard about it. It was told to us, and now we get to see it. It's not just about a coming Jesus. It's about a Jesus here with us. Not about a coming God, but Emmanuel, God with us. And so this language of posture that says what was prophesied, what was said, happened. When you look at 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 to 13, this art piece actually de de depicts uh, the return of Christ, the judgment seat, and, and everybody being judged. It says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy, one, holy ones. When you're following the lectionary and, and, and these, the concept of Advent and the first week, this year it's around the scripture. It's about the return of Christ. It says, hey, he's coming. He was prophesied he was going to come. He came and it has been said that he will come and he's coming again. We the church find ourselves today in a similar position that the Israelites found themselves at that time between the Old Testament and the New Testament before 
the birth of Jesus, waiting and hoping in prayerful expectation for the coming of the Messiah. Once again, a language of posture, waiting and hoping and praying, expectant for Jesus to return. He said he was going, God said he was going to send his son. He did. God said he's going to send him back. He's going to. And we need to develop an expectancy in waiting for that point. So what are we to do between the two advents? If advent means coming and Jesus has come as the baby, God with us, Emmanuel, and he is coming, what are we to do? I love the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be pure, poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. This is the waiting that you and I participate in. This is the expectancy. This is the anticipation that you and I develop between, that we need to develop between the first Advent and the second advent. Advent is about anticipation, but it is so much more than anticipating Christmas and presents and unwrapping it. It's actually about anticipating the Christ who has come and the Christ that will come and the Christ that is here with us now. Karl Barth writes, unfulfilled and fulfilled promises are related to each other. This Jesus has come and he will return. The two promises that you and I hold as the Christian community. They are as related to each other as dawn is to sunrise. Now, if you don't know how dawn and sunrise work, and I had to work out which one comes first, and so I did a little bit of astronomical research. Dawn is the twilight when the sun is 18 degrees below the horizon. So dawn comes first, and then we get the sunrise. So I taught myself this little rhyme last night that says dawn brings in, sunri in the sunrise. That way I now will remember which one comes first. But dawn is, is, is what happens when the sun is 18 degrees below the horizon to when she is 12 degrees, uh, till 12 degrees below the horizon. That's dawn. It's that early morning twilight. Sunrise is the moment the sun actually pokes just over the horizon and so that you can see that. And if we can get an idea around unfulfilled promises as dawn and unfulfilled promises as, as the sunrise, then we start to appreciate the concept of advent, of the coming, the return, the coming of Christ, because the dawn is already here. The sun is already between 18 and 12 degrees below the horizon. We can see the light. We know because of the light we see that the sun will poke its head out. The sun will rise. So I appreciate what, what Bart says as he encourages you and me to have this expectation of a future revelation. The way the twilight brings the expectation for the revelation of the sunrise, so too does the birth of Jesus bring the expectation for, of the revelation that Christ will come back because God is true to his word and he has always been, he is and he always will be. The promise for Israel and for us as the church today is Jesus Christ. 
He has come. He'll come again. This is the essence of Advent. It's about the coming, not the came. And this thought of Advent carries the idea of a constancy in it, as if it was saying, he arrived, he's arriving, he will arrive. And the expectation you and I have, understanding that Jesus has been born, is that he will return. And we need to continue to develop that anticipation. Matthew Kelly writes, God of hope, I look to you with an open heart and a yearning spirit during this Advent season. I will keep alert and awake listening to your word and keeping your precepts. My hope is in you. So as we develop this anticipation of the coming of Christ, we have within us the hope, which is Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, the hope of tomorrow, the hope of good things to come. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, there's more to come. I just love it the way the Message Bible says it. Like there's more. Eugene Peterson just captures that same moment. When, I, when I'm sitting with this present as, as, a grand, as a grandkid and I've got it and it's like, well, I've got the box, but there's more to come. Wait till you get to open it. Wait till you get to see what's inside. Wait till you get to actually participate in the gift. For my grandkids, it's that same thought. There is more to come. Do you and I have that same expectancy, that same anticipation, that same excitement about there is more to come? There's exciting things to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience. Patience forges tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. I've got so much. And I'm expecting so much more. There are good things to come. Do you believe it today? And you're all pretty quiet. So either I'm sucking and preaching. There is more things to come. This is Advent. That excitement that I had as a grandchild, a grand, a grandchild myself, great-grandchild, the excitement of my grandchildren, the excitement of Jeremiah and Isaiah when they prophesied, the excitement of the Israelites waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And guess what? We've re- we know the story. We've read the words, and they missed him. They missed it. Oh, may we not be those who miss him and miss it. May we continue to experience this advent, this coming of Christ. The first candle, this first week is about hope. Hope is not wishful thinking. If I could have the band up, please. This is biblical hope. And biblical hope and wishful thinking are two different things. Because biblical hope is not about wishing something's going to happen. Biblical hope is about a secure assurance. 
God has not failed in the past. God will not fail in the present. And God will not fail in the promise of the future. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Can we celebrate that? Can we be excited about that? Thank you. <laughs> I see why you roused them. <laughs> roused us. We've become, we've become so scared of talking about eschatology and end times and the return of Christ that it's almost like it doesn't exist. There was a coming of Jesus and he came and he lived and he taught and he made disciples and he died and he rose again and he said, gave us a promise that he'd send his spirit and he did. He sent us his spirit and he said, I will come back. I'm not going to get into what that looks like. Just listen to Josh's current Revelation series and what's yet to come. But he's coming back. Can we anticipate it? Can we be as excited about it? But not live in tomorrow because we find ourselves here now. The first candle is about hope. He's coming. And so we live in anticipation. When you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, the piece I read, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow to every one of you. May he be strengthened that you'll be blameless and holy. If you just drop down one more verse, chapter 4, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. And then I went and had a look. So what does he mean? In fact, as you are living. You go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and he says your faith in God has become known everywhere you serve a living and true God and you wait for his son from heaven so how do they live it in verse 2 your work produces faith your labor prompted is prompted by love and your endurance is inspired by hope the hope the advent of the Jesus who came and the Jesus who will come. So for us, as we live between the two advents, we live like the church in Thessalonica, where our work produces faith, where our labor is prompted by love, and our endurance is inspired by the hope that is Jesus Christ. And that people everywhere will know about who we are because of that, because we live between two advents as we wait together. I don't know about you. I'm expecting good things to come. Christmas Day's coming. And I'm looking forward to whatever presents are under the tree. If you don't know me yet, I'll tell people, hey, I really like this, I want this, I want... I know, I sound needy, but it's all good. If you don't ask, you don't get. I know what I want. <laughs> I want to be excited for the day, but I know what I want. So I'm expecting good things to come. My grandkids are coming next Friday night to sleep over. We're putting up a tree. There'll be presents. They know from past what they can expect. They're expecting good things to come. Are you and I expecting good things to come? 
for our lives, for our world, for our family, for our community, for our nation and for the nations? Are we expecting hope to break into our lives, into our community, because of the anticipation we have today of the coming Christ? Living with anticipation between the He has come and He is coming without losing sight of the here now coming Christ is about bringing heaven to earth in our community. It's about bringing hope. It's about living in the same anticipation that He is at work and we are a part of it. Won't you step with me into this, this anticipation this excitement, this expectancy that God has, is, and will do great things because Jesus was born and Jesus is coming back. Won't you stand with me, please? I want to read a prayer. But before I do, I want to give us a few moments to start to feel what expectancy feels like, anticipation. The first time when we found out that we were going to be grandparents, our grandson was born while we were in the States. Romeo was born while we were in the States. And I could not wait to get home. I enjoyed the holiday, but we could not wait to get home to see him and to hold him. And when people were sending me pictures of them hugging me, it was like, no, no, why are you hugging him? I want to hug him. He's my grandchild. I want to hold him first. Can we have that same expectancy, that same Advent feeling of a coming Christ and that hope within us? So before I pray, I'm going to ask the band just to play some music. And if you're feeling a little flat, no hope, no expectancy, then just start to reach out to God and pray that His Spirit would bring ministry to you and to me through the worship of the music. That we can start to deal with, as Graham has said, the barriers between us and living in the hope of the coming Lord between here and the, and the excitement, the expectancy of good things to come. Let's just pray, just wherever you are. Expectancy comes from a longing. Maybe it's that you're struggling with a longing. Maybe you can't see the future. Maybe you can't see through tomorrow. Maybe you can't see through this week, this year, and it's clouding your ability to see the coming Christ. It's clouding your ability to see the good things. Maybe you've been disappointed in the past. Maybe in the past you've been hurt and put down and you've lowered your expectations of what God can do. Well, it's time to give it away. It's time to leave that at the foot of the cross. 
between the first coming and the second coming. Put it there. Jesus came. God said He would, and He did. God is faithful. God is true, and God will break through. He'll break through. If you don't have hope for yourself today, He's got the hope for you, and the hope is Jesus, the hope of glory. So wherever you are right now, just start to just start to worship, start to pray. Just wherever you are, if you want to just sit down, if you need to kneel, whatever you need to do. I have to walk my faith. You need to walk yours. And wherever you are and I am, we need to do business. And I feel that God is doing something here this morning. He's doing something in this moment to say, do you have a longing? Do you, are you expectant? Do you have a hope? Because if you don't, then right now we want to stand with you as a community. We want to believe with you for the hope of glory.